0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an just an amazing guest on. Um, this guy is literally a grandmaster in jujitsu. He is a PhD. He's brilliant. He's written, I know of at least one book, probably more if I were to guess. I have the one, the only, barry Broughton on the show and we are literally going to break through some walls today so um make sure you share this out and stay with us we'll be right back <laughs> Let me bring Barry on. Here we go, Barry. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey Ken, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Let's break some stuff today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: heard your intro, you know, so yeah.
0: Well, you know, I feel like if anybody's qualified to break through some walls, it, it should be you. So
1: hey, and if you break uh, some stuff, I could fix it too.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so Barry, I started this about. Four a little over four years ago. Um, I think it was for selfish reasons. I was stuck in life. And and I was like, you know, if I can just get people on here to tell their story about how they got through it, it'll help me. And so far, so good. It's helped. So
1: I think that's what we all need to be doing, though, you know, yeah. kind of partnering and see what works for other people and quit trying to reinvent the wheel half the time. And I think we all do a lot better off if we shared that.
0: Amen. I agree. You know, we always you. want to hear about
1: each other's successes. But hey, what was the you know, trials that you end up breaking through that really helped you get to the other side
0: because we all go through it. We, yeah, all but a lot of people that want to admit it, I know, man. Oh, we're gonna have fun today. Holy crap, we're on the same page. Yeah, so, so, um, although you are more qualified to fight than I am, so
1: <laughs> that's not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you.
0: <laughs> so, so, so Barry, um, uh, I, I I like to start with you telling everybody where you were born and raised. Start there.
1: Oh, boy, all the way back. Uh, <laughs> born and raised in uh, western New York, a real rural area, um, about an hour and a half south of Buffalo, almost to the Pennsylvania border. Um, so uh, I think the little hamlet town that we grew up in was maybe a thousand people. I don't know, something like that. Next wow. town, a of Couple miles away was twenty thousand, so pretty rural uh, back in the, back in the day. So uh, grew up there, probably a pretty average childhood, I, I guess. Um, hey, my brother's on. Obviously. I know.
0: I was. Get, I I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. Hey, Larry. Yeah, so, good to see um, you.
1: So he can he can fact check me here. So <laughs> pretty, pretty <average. laughs> probably a pretty average life, I'd suspect. Um, you know, as an adult, you kind of. Um, realized maybe there wasn't uh, the nurturing and you know mentoring and guidance type stuff but hey my parents had their own stuff to deal with as we yeah. all do sure um, so
0: but,
1: um so
0: i i is there anything i i like to kind of dig in a little bit sure. um like is there anything from childhood and and okay so Larry's already saying you're telling the truth, so we're, we're, on a, we're on a good track already. But is there anything that, that you think about from childhood? Maybe it was a person, an event that occurred, something that kind of pushed you in the direction that you went as an, as an adult? Because I, I read your bio. Um, you, you're like, I, I, nobody could call you an underachiever. <laughs> right.
1: um, well, that wasn't as an adult, though. Um, yeah, I was probably a pretty average student, probably less than average in high school. Um, but I think in hindsight, it was probably more because I was more focused on survival and dealing with my own inner lack of self-confidence and all that type of stuff than it was about academics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, It was later in life that I actually, as you know, later in my teens, that I actually kind of got more driven and more focused. But, you know, I I began wrestling. Both my brother and I began wrestling. I think it was in third grade and went through the whole, you know, it was the Junior Olympics kind of feeder program at the time. And so I always liked that type of stuff. You know, in the early 70s, there was the television series Kung Fu. I don't know if you are familiar with that television series. Yeah. Carradine. Um, And so I was kind of always intrigued with his – Duality of you know dealing with his inner stuff, but only kind of used his martial prowess to help other people. Yeah, uh, kind of the same thing with the with the movie Billy Jack when when that uh, came out. Um, and so one those, of my things, favorites. But, yeah, yeah. And so I was always kind of struck by how they had this inner peace, but yet they could really kick some backside if they if they had, it, had to, you know, yeah. and never really unless they unless they had to. So I was kind of drawn to that. Um, so just tying all of that type of stuff together, um, I it kind of intrigued me. And so I began training in martial arts when I was 17. Um,
0: wow. and
1: through that, I began realizing that it kind of helped with my self-esteem and, and self-confidence and kind of gave me the, the courage to go on and do other things. You know, I was in the army for nine years on active duty. And I think had I not done martial arts first and had a black belt and all that other stuff, I don't know that I would have gone in the army and then excelled in the army as well. So um, for me, martial arts has uh, kind of given me the, I think the tools to better deal with some of my own inner demons that I that I had and kind of pushed me in that direction. And you kind of mentioned my bio and it's kind of weird how now as, as diverse as my bio seems, it's kind of all ties together with what I'm doing. You know, So it's kind of,
0: it's fun. It, so you you have you've, you've mentioned your inner demons a couple of times already and and i so it, were you bullied at all in as a teenager did you did you get did know,
1: you fight you know, did you get into I, fights with my brothers <laughs> and my sister, the crap out of me <laughs> oh my God. I think that you know, I, I don't know if I'm making this up um you know how you kind of formulate things in your head over time, yeah. But it seems to me that there was a fist fight in our household every morning before school. You know, maybe not every morning, maybe 90% of the time. Wow. Wow. Um, we used to fight a lot. And wow. to, to such a degree that when we were probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, my dad got us boxing gloves for Christmas. And this is the type of guy. You know, my dad was my dad was a hardcore Marine. And, um, oh, my God. You know, we'd call it PTSD now because he was on <laughs> EMMA. And so we get these boxing gloves for Christmas, and it's like his comment is, "You kids like to fight. Put the gloves on, fight." I don't want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what I remember, Larry. Is that the uh, truth? <laughs> oh my! Yeah, he says that's the truth. So, so uh,
0: that reminds me of my my younger brother, who um, I used to beat the crap out of him, and and I'm six foot and he's now six, five and a half. Uh And and so he sprung up in high school and I could no longer beat the crap out of him. So, but we used to get, we used to do the same thing and we had the boxing gloves and all of that. So I, I totally can relate to that.
1: Well, those little boxing gloves still hang in my Academy today. Do they really? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, um, I don't I wouldn't say bullied, you know, those neighborhood scuffles and fights and things like that. But, you know, to me, a lot of that is just normalhood, normal childhood, you know, Mm. stuff that you go through that kind of helps us to build some character, I think, sometimes. You know, so I don't know that it was really bullying, per se. You know, did you? When I say inner demons, I'm talking about I just really had a very low self-esteem low okay. self confidence those types of things and when you don't have the confidence to step forward and do things on your own or say things or or have the courage to explore outside of your comfort zone then you miss out on a lot of things i think yeah so in
0: those but in those brotherly scuffles so you have how many brothers two two older okay.
1: brother older brother um he was 4 years older he's now he died back uh, oh. i think he was 36 when he died
0: oh wow and and then you have have larry yep um so so who won
1: i don't know if there's ever a winner in something (laughs) you know my older brother was four years older you know so you're you know 13 years old and he's 17 or 18 that's a pretty big difference right
0: yeah in size yeah just size
1: yeah and my older sister too she's two years older i was more intimidated by her than anybody else (laughs) crazy story. You know, when I moved back, so I I was out of the area in Western New York for about 18 or 19 years when I moved back and started teaching martial arts and she became a student and I'm holding focus mitts for her one time. And she's wailing away in these things. She got this look in her face and I immediately had this flashback of her beating the tar out of me when I was probably 11 or 12. (laughs) I had to tell her, stop, stop. I give. Oh my God.
0: That's so funny. So, it, at you said you you started studying martial arts at 17, was it jujitsu or, or no? It was a
1: kung fu style. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you got a black belt, yeah, yeah. Wow, That's yeah. Incredible. And so, um, so that was um, back in the early 80s, um, late 70s, early 80s was kind of that transition time, you know, back that time, kung fu was a big thing back in the 70s, um, yeah. Yeah. and then. Uh, I went in the army uh, three years after high school and was able to train with a lot of different people. You know, you're on Uncle Sam's dime and you're going around the world and yeah. meeting all kinds of people and get exposed to all, all kinds of different systems and styles and, and that type of thing. So, wow, I had the opportunity to train in a lot of different things. And so it just kind of all came together.
0: Did you was there was that during the golf? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Prior to the Gulf War and then Gulf War. And then I got out in uh, 1992 wow
0: okay yeah my 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 younger brother was in the navy mm-hmm. in the what was it called desert shield first yeah, desert and then yep. yeah 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 so so um <clears throat> wow so you you uh you've did you see any like action were you were you in uh the... just
1: casualties that came back i was not oh. deployed in, in the desert oh okay. okay so i was in germany at the time and uh so my uh, brigade did not deploy they were the rear echelon for because we really expected a lot of casualties to be coming back and so i ran wow. the, the the medical comms here where they're supposed to be coming back for all of the um casualties i start I, I enlisted as a as a combat medic and then through continual training became a battalion medical officer and so wow. we were expected to get all these mass casualties and um chemical agents and that type of stuff that yeah. uh, fortunately it didn't happen.
0: I remember all of that. That, that was, that was crazy. Um, so, so you, okay. So you were, I'm assuming then, did you go to college at any point? In yeah. I started,
1: way? yeah. I started when I was in the army. Okay. So you weren't deployed somewhere then I was going to college and. Okay. Yeah, I was able to become a battalion medical officer. And uh, so it was all on uncle Sam's dime, you know, I think I paid, you know, I got a PhD and I think I paid maybe $3,000 for my entire education. Um, because when I got out of the army, then I immediately transitioned was a department of the army civilian and did my orthopedic surgery training, uh, as a department of the army civilian at, uh, the hospital at Fort Carson, Colorado. Wow. So I got that. And then they paid for my PhD afterwards. So as a department of the army civilian. So I was really fortunate to be able to, to do that.
0: So are you an MD also?
1: No, PhD. Okay. Okay. I was a PA, um, physician associate, physician assistant.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I don't understand the I, I guess I don't know the whole the whole um, line. I, I so you became were you an orthopedic surgeon then?
1: I did orthopedic surgery as a PA. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's just an additional two years training beyond your PA training? And when my so PhD was after that, so PhD is a higher academic degree, it's the highest academic degree you can get. And then, uh, right. MD and DO and all of those are more of a, a professional degree.
0: Uh, I had a uh, Dr. Um, John Jakewish was was on the show, and he's he's PhD also. And he said, We tell MDs what they need to do, that's right, <laughs> <laughs> we're the ones who educate them. <laughs> <laughs> i know that's so funny so so wow uh, now along the 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 path that you mm-hmm. were traveling back then you're also studying martial arts you yeah continue. i was always
1: training and teaching um, you know and i loved being in medicine i loved helping patients um, especially doing orthopedics you know because it's really hands-on and that's probably why I have this affinity for the jujitsu and grappling-related arts, besides wrestling. Right, as a, as a kid and a teenager, um, you know, because in orthopedics you're reducing gnarly fractures and you're operating on broken bones and in that type of thing. And um, I liked it. it; it was fun. And but it was not what I really wanted to do. Uh, and so I'd be teaching at night and. And that's where I thrived, you know, you've, I was doing both. And for a while, you're really getting burnt out and I'd be dragging my wagon after seeing patients all day, but then I'm reinvigorated by the time you're teaching at night and really helping people. And, uh, and that's, what's always kind of driven me because I know what an impact it was in my life. You know, since we're talking about breaking through walls, um, I knew at a young age when I was probably 18 or 19, that I wanted to teach martial arts full time. Wow. I knew that. And I um and I ran into a old school teacher. He also had been a scoutmaster and he wanted to know what I was doing. I said, you know, told him that at the time I was working as a produce manager at a grocery store and teaching and said so I wanted to teach full time. I eventually wanted to, to teach full time. He said, Well, you can't make any money doing that. And it really deflated me. Wow. And within probably two or three months, I was in the army. And thinking, I got to get an education. I got to do something different, and it sent me on that track in in medicine. And uh, so, I enjoyed it, but I just it was always something that kept on pulling me back to to martial arts because, um, you know, when you, when you treat somebody, when you fix a fracture or you treat them and they get better, they go on about their lives. But yeah. for me, martial arts is the medium and the tool. To help people become empowered and to change their lives and put their lives on a different trajectory and so i knew that's what it did for me and i wanted to be able to help other people with that same thing and uh, so ultimately over the years of of doing both um, I, as i alluded to earlier i moved back to western new york about 21 years ago and had my practice and i was teaching had a school and i'd see patients during the day do some private lessons at lunchtime, go back and see patients afternoon, go back and teach. Wow. At some point I knew, you know, something's got to give here, you know, yeah. and sometimes it's not really, I don't know if it's really a breakthrough as much as a breaking point to make me realize, okay, I've got to get off this track. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, sometimes in life we get on the, the wrong train and, you know, the longer you're on that train, the faster it goes and chug 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 and the yeah. harder it is to jump off. Cause you know, when you do, it's going to tumble and roll and there's going to be some, collateral damage.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh, so eventually when I took that plunge, um, I just knew that it was, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy, you know, yeah. right? I kind of really do the, the deep dive and the, and the research to, to, to do it. And so I didn't want to have, um, like a safety net, so to speak. So yeah. I started my DEA license and let my certifications and, and state license expire. Wow. So there's no so there's no going back. It's like I knew that I, if I was going to do this, I was going to do this and um, well, no, no looking back. and that's been 15 years now, I think since I did that.
0: You were probably also under the seduction of a pretty decent income from oh
1: yeah, from big that. difference <laughs> <laughs>
0: right Which well, made yeah, it even more difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah initially it was it was a pretty pretty big blow. Um, yeah. but, um, but I was an empty nester at the time. And so I figured if I'm going to do this, it's time to pull the trigger. I'm just getting older and, um, and yeah. it's time to do it. Uh, I just couldn't continue to live that dual life. I felt like I was almost a fraud when I'm seeing patients, you know, cause I'm thinking I'm a martial artist and I just happen to be doing medicine. It's kind of the way I looked at things. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like I, I really wanted to be somewhere else. So it helped me though, you know, it it really, you know, so you mentioned, you know, the book earlier and had I not had that background in medicine and have the deep understanding of, of anatomy, I wouldn't have been able to produce this thing that so many people are uh, really appreciating now that have been missing in our industry for so long.
0: I, I I mean, you probably are aware of this, but just for the audience sake, because this relates to both your, your bone doctoring and, and martial arts. One time I used to drink a lot. I don't anymore, but I used to. And, and instead of getting into a fist fight with somebody one evening, I turned around and I punched a refrigerator now, I don't know if you if most people know this, but you can actually experience a compound fracture from that. <laughs> and I did right here. Uh, nice. And, and it, they call it what a boxer's fracture, I believe, or something.
1: Uh yeah. Technically a boxer's fracture is more distal. Yours is more proximal.
0: Yeah, uh, it was it sucked. That's all I know. And and you know, a lot
1: of people refer to that as a boxer's fracture, but technically it's uh it's the fifth distal metacarpal that's broken oh. down but if you punch something and you don't punch it correctly or you have massive power like what you had crushing that refrigerator something's got to give the
0: refrigerator one
1: just yes. for the record so so something's got to um, give and it's gonna be the small bone of your hand
0: it hurt. did you but learn so from it though i did i did slap so. it next time <laughs> and, and and I'll never forget the Chinese doctor that said that said it in the ER. He's like, I said, is this gonna hurt? And he gave me morphine. I forget what, and he's like, uh, you'll feel it, but you won't care. But, That's so, right. yeah. so, but, you know, I think that um, because I've I've always personally like Billy Jack, I'll never forget that one line. I'm going to take this here right foot and slap it across your left face and you're not going to be able to do a damn thing about it. That's and right. I always thought. God, that is so freaking awesome, man! I want to be able to do that, and so it's I, that
1: line. It is that line, yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's incredible. So I admire the heck out of you for what you've accomplished, and I, I I do I do want to ask you, like, when you made the decision that all right, I'm walking away from this medical income. Let's just let's start with the income part. Because it had to be a tremendous amount of money that you just said. I'm leaving this and I'm pursuing my passion. You had a family. Yeah, you have a family. I, I so you had all these things going. Well, like on. I, said, I was like, empty
1: nester though, so my you know I wow. didn't have any kids at home, so they they didn't have to rely on that. Okay. Um, fortunately, okay. I had some you know I had savings and yeah. I already had the other school. I had my school going already. Yeah, right. You know, so it's not like I was just pulling the plug and then jumping in blindly into something that I had no clue about, you know, so it already had had the real estate purchased and had the building and the schools and had the, the revenue from, from the school as well. It just wasn't on same par as what I was doing before. Right. My rationale was, if I could spend more time doing what I really want to do, I can't be generating more. I can be teaching more classes. I can be doing private lessons during the day. I can be traveling, teaching seminars. Um, yeah. And all I knew is I wanted to be fulfilled and happy and the income would follow. And fortunately over time that has, has happened. So I feel like I'm one of the fortunate ones because a lot of martial artists, you know, their dream is to be able to teach full time. And a lot of them, I, I really give credit and I respect those that, work 40, 50 hours a week, and then they're in the Academy or dojo teaching at night. And, um, cause those are the folks that really love it. Um, yeah. they're not doing it for the income. I've just been fortunate enough to be able to do it and make a good living and have good employees that work for me. And, uh, wow. so,
0: I have a really good friend. I called him yesterday and said, dude, you've got to watch this interview. Um, Adam Marburger in St. Louis that has, he's, he's a, in jujitsu and has an academy as well. And he has another business that he works full time. And uh, so yeah. I, if he's watching, I'm sure he can relate to what you're talking about. So so back up a little bit. And at some point, it sounds like you you met your wife and and started a family when did you start a family
1: well the wife i've got now is not the wife i had then you know i own that t-shirt as well so you know i never thought i'd be one of those statistics but you know that's what happens Um, and and one of the things is that um if you're going to be have an entrepreneurial spirit you've got to have the support network to do that and some people aren't hardwired to be able to take those risks. Some people that's can't right. take risks risk to save their life. Um, and that's nothing against them. It's just that's the way some people are. Um, so my first wife I had met before I'd gone in the army and all that type of stuff. And when I got married, I had a ready-made family already. And um, from her pr- children from previous marriage. Um, yeah. Then we had um, a couple of tragedies, but uh, not to go there right now. But um, And then we had my our, our own a son together um, who was grown and living in California at this point. Um, Then after 25 years of marriage, then that dissolved. And uh, it was just about the same time that I took the plunge. It was about a a year after I left my practice and was teaching full time. My current wife, we met several years later. And uh, so we've been married now since 2013. Wow. And she's amazing, um, very supportive. Um, she's a martial artist as well. Um, and so that really helps because she gets what what drives me. Um, and so you know, you've got to have that support network, you gotta have the surround yourself with people that are gonna be your cheerleader no matter what, you know.
0: And, right, right, right. So important.
1: I, I say that
0: all the time. Like that's the most I don't think there's anything more important. Having and my wife is on here right now, she's such a good woman and supportive and And, you know, she's always, uh, she's my biggest cheerleader. So, you know- Well, you're
1: fortunate, you know, those of us that have that, you know, I didn't really realize that that, um, you know, you hear about these dream relationships and I thought I was all a bunch of bunk. I thought it could never happen. And here I am, you know, the later stages of my life and it it happened. And so I'm very fortunate, you know, and and uh, so just to kind of expound upon the having a good support network, this last book that I did, um, that I wrote, comprehensive anatomy for martial arts, that's been mulling in the back of my mind for probably fifteen years. I started writing it probably over ten years ago. Wow. And there was numerous false starts and redos. And this is too much. It's too in depth. You know, a year before it ended up being published, it was over thirteen hundred pages.
0: Oh wow.
1: Yeah, and so it whittled it down to, to you know, just under five. Five hundred pages. Had it not been for my support network, my students, my staff, my wife, it would have never happened. You know, right. I wouldn't have been able to 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 do that. And so, surround yourself with the people that are gonna gonna have your back no matter what.
0: Can you hold your book up so we can show it to to everyone? Yeah, I see go. one over your shoulder there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you full screen here.
1: So this is uh, the soft cover. So there's paperback and hardcover so lots of good stuff in there and and so what kind of sets it apart there's other martial arts books that are that cover anatomy on the market but they're all pretty cursory and kind of most of them just kind of a picture of a muscle or a skeleton and kind of that's about it but um i knew that what helped my students to excel on a world-class level was having an intimate understanding of the total human anatomy um, and how it interacted with other organ systems and other uh, anatomy systems and to tweak certain things um, that are subtle nuances that other martial artists don't know because they don't have that intimate understanding of anatomy. As an example, you said you'd done Taekwondo. Um, Taekwondo folks are great at kicking, but if you don't understand about that post pivot foot, your hip gets bound up, um, and you're going to limit the height and power of your kick. If you're doing an arm bar and you don't turn it a certain way and don't tighten the capsules and the rotator cuff properly, the person is not going to tap. It's not going to hurt them enough. And so, <laughs> or break it. Um so, so barbaric. <laughs> I know it sounds it, um, but it's really not. And so I remember... The first time in uh, anatomy physiology class, we we're doing a cadaver lab. And, you know, you got to cut open the, the shoulder. And I'm kind of messing around with the humerus, the arm bone as it articulates with the with the shoulder. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's how an arm bar works and stick my finger in it, boom, pop the humeral head out. I'm thinking, ah, oh, that's how that works. <laughs> it got me thinking about anatomy. Well, I oh, mentioned this God. in my book. I never told the patient this. But when I was doing my orthopedic surgery training, the first time they did an open shoulder surgery where the guy had chronic shoulder dislocations. And so you do this big incision, open it up, and you're running the shoulder through the range of motion. I'm thinking, ah, if I tweak my arm bar like this, it'll be much more effective. Oh now, I and tell the patient, you know? <laughs> oh, hey, by the way.
0: <laughs> you taught me a new technique today.
1: Right, yeah. Wow. You, know, but, you know, So it's kind of just the point is, I guess, that all those life experiences come together if you're willing to to let them come, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it so it helped me. And so that's why this book is much more in depth than a lot of the other anatomy books. And so what I've done is um, not only does it address anatomy and give accurate anatomy, real anatomy, not some of the bunk that's been taught, you know, 100 years in martial arts. Um, but in each section, it talks about how does this apply to martial arts? How does it apply to combat sports? How does it apply to um, whatever the endeavor is or real life self-defense? Um, so not only to potentially inflict harm, but also protect yourself so that you know how to protect yourself as well.
0: Uh, wow. So, you know, I, I think that I'm, I'm well, I want to ask you like, and then we're kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but with the, the people that show up, at, do you call it a dojo or a, an academy?
1: We usually refer to academy, academy. Yeah, because we kind of look at it as um, it's a lifelong learning pursuit. You know, just we try to have a different emphasis yeah. on it. its an education curriculum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so when people when people show up there. Uh, what are the reasons? What are the top reasons people come in? They want to learn self-defense. I would imagine that's got to be at the somewhere near the top of the reasons.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it depends on the era and what's going on. Usually women, most women come because they want to gain some empowerment and learn self-defense. Um, we're very fortunate that we have a very large female um, student base as well. So it's probably... Yeah. 40 to 45 percent of our students are females, which is pretty high in a jiu-jitsu related art um, because, you know, most people don't want to be hitting hard and getting thrown hard and and full resistance, getting choked and things like that. But um self-empowerment, self-defense, Um, you know, when a lot of guys, they just want to pound heads and we tell them this is probably not the place for you. Um, We train, we, you know, we've got 10 world champions. um, But we tell people all the time that um, we train martial artists first who happen to be great fighters. We don't treat fighters and then hope that they're going to be a a good martial artist. And uh, so uh, for our kids' programs, oftentimes parents want to bring their children so they gain the focus and self-confidence to stay focused in school and in academics. Um, and then obviously some bring them because their children are being bullied. Oftentimes what I'll tell folks is that um, if your students, your your child's already being bullied, I hate to say it, but it's kind of too late, you know, you're gonna have to make some really dramatic changes because why was that child bullied? What's the target that has allowed that to happen? And it's really bizarre because we get folks that come in, even adults who don't even know how to introduce themselves. They don't know how to make eye contact. They don't, you know, and so we tell people if you're a wallflower and people don't know your name. It's much more easy to get assaulted and bullied, you know, without, if somebody doesn't know that there's a commonality there.
0: My So Larry, Larry made a great comment saying, one of the things I love about Barry's approach to mentoring his students is that he places lots of emphasis on creating great humans with loads of character as well as martial arts techniques. That's, that's absolutely amazing.
1: That's why I said before, um, you know, we just use martial arts as the the medium and the tool to teach all these other great attributes. Yeah. So we're very fortunate, you know, that, you know, and and my goal is to to, um, help to train lifelong learners, whether it's they continue to train martial arts or somewhere else, you know, because I think too frequently um, people become stagnant in their lives. Then they're miserable because they're wondering why they're not growing, you know, and and we say all the time, you know, evolve or become irrelevant. Um, and if you don't, then life's going to be kind of miserable. And if I'm the same person 10 years from now that I am today, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: God, that's so true. So true. So, so, so you, um, you started, you you left the medical, excuse me, you left the medical field 15 years ago, um, or your medical practice. Did you have a practice? Is that okay yes. um and 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 you started this full time mm-hmm. and what so what is it just showing up to your your academy every day and teaching or is there more are you traveling do you go around and speak do you you know teach i i i think I will, that, all the above
1: did he really um, yeah yeah um i was i'm fortunate now that um, i actually sold two of my local schools um, a year ago Um, and so you know martial arts and martial arts schools um, it's kind of a different type of uh, business i I knew that i needed to um, have an exit strategy and a lot of my peers and colleagues um, you know they have their name all over everything and it's kind of hard to sell something when your name's all over it and it's not branded for global growth. And that's one thing that changed my trajectory as well Is around the same time that I went full time, I also changed the name of the school and the branding and all this other stuff. And, and that set us in a different stratosphere altogether with the marketing that we had done. Um, But um, you've got to have mentor somebody that's going to be able to be able to um, produce and provide the same product and the quality and the standard that you're already producing that's given you the reputation and so through martial arts because you have such a long relationship with people um the the guy that uh, sold the schools to he'd been with me for 11 years and so you can mentor them along the way and uh, provide opportunities for people that they would have never had otherwise Um, but during that time i was just really working my butt off when i left when made that transition heck i was flying out and spending a weekend with Larry every month in California to teach some seminars and private lessons. And then I'd be traveling up and down the East coast, teaching seminars on, on the weekend. And I'd also got a contract with a local college and was teaching um, self-defense classes and martial arts classes as a physical education course where the the college students came to the Academy. And uh, it was a really sweet deal for martial artists out there. Um, What they did is they paid me rent at my own school for me to teach at my school for their students to come and then paid me a salary um, on top of that. Wow. And so um, that really gave me a good cushion. And so I was teaching about 21 to 23 classes a week. I'd fly out on a Friday evening or Saturday morning, teach somewhere, Saturday night, Sunday, come back Monday and do it all over again.
0: Oh, and so I
1: it was just fighting the fight. You know, I knew what I wanted to do. I had a vision for what I wanted to do. I think that's a lot of times people lack that they don't know what the end game is. They really don't know what the the end goal is. They're just kind of duking it out day to day, but don't know what the fight's all for. And so I knew what my end, what I wanted to see in the end. And I just kept on pushing forward. And if I didn't do it, nobody's going to do it for me. You know, we don't come from means. I don't have any, you know, inheritance or anything. And my parents didn't have money to give us for anything, you know? So right, right. Um, it was, uh, you know, make your own way.
0: So, so you, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I get along the way, what were, what were some of the things that, um, cause we kind of talked about this before we went live. Um, but you know, what were some of the, the things that, that, were I I don't know setbacks. It felt like you know where you get stuck and you have to metaphorically break through walls and 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 what were some of the things that held you back at, or or maybe even made made you go, this is it. We're not getting through this. This is the end.
1: Um, I th- probably some of the biggest things that jumps at me is when I was in medicine. You know, and it's hard to leave something that you're good at. Yeah, and uh, so um, I. I know not to toot my horn or something, but I was good at what I did. And so, um, so that makes it difficult sometimes when you're good at doing it. And so, and you've got a lot of people saying you've got to continue doing this. Um, and of course, most people are going to say, um, you're crazy for leaving something where you're making twice the money or three times the money that you, you would doing, doing something else. And because they're driven by that, but as you know, um, you can be poor and you can be have lots of money and be wealthy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's not what nurtures you and, and makes you thrive. Right. So for me, um, I think part of the, the obstacles was not having the support network that I needed to, to really do what my desire was. And I, like I said, I got on that wrong train and it just kept on going full bore forward. And it's like, eventually something's got to give here. And it was, and it was almost me. You know, I got to the point that I just could not continue at that same pace. And I tried all kinds of mental gymnastics and did counseling to make sure what what am I doing here? And, you know, they had this trick in medicine. When you hang your white coat up on the back of the door at the end of the day, you leave all your baggage there. But it's kind of hard to do when you're on call every third night and every third weekend. And, um, you know, so yeah. um, it's just I, I don't know something. That there's any one thing that, that gets you stuck sometimes i think it's just not following what it is that you want to do um,
0: okay so i'm glad you brought that up so i have a friend he's the head chief of plastic surgery for a hospital here locally and i invited him to a cincinnati reds game in a private suite this weekend and i'm talking to his wife texting hey can he make it and He's checking to make sure he's not on call. <laughs> I thought, what the heck? A, a plastic surgeon on call. What? So yeah. like, like, but I get it. I, I totally understand that. That just would suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially back in the day where we didn't, everybody didn't have cell phones. You had a pager. You had a pager. So you had to be able to have access to a phone somewhere. And I'd try to go to events and the page would go off. You didn't know it because it's too loud. And so you're always checking it. Um, And so it's, um, you know, back then, you know, back in the day, it was um, you're tied to some place that wasn't quite remote. And so it's not like you could just call and pick up your cell phone and say, hey, yeah, why don't you put a splint on it? And I'll see him in the clinic in the morning. It didn't work that way. And so you're kind of tied to those things. Um, And so I think a lot of people justify it. Well, I'm making enough money that you know this is worth the sacrifice. But you know, medicine today is not the same as it was years ago. Right. And if you're not called to help people, there's a lot of other professions where you can make a whole lot more money with a lot less of the brain damage that goes along with it. Yeah. In Amen. my in my world view.
0: So, so how does somebody, in in your opinion, find that? Um, Cause it does take some, some self-reflection and digging deep. Um, but how does somebody find that, um, passion, that, that thing that uh, I believe that we were all sent here to this planet to do something spectacular and that 99.9% of us go to our graves, never having really tapped into that.
1: Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier on being a lifelong learner, try different things. Don't be afraid to fail at something. You know, um, I've just kind of always been in the mindset, I'm not going to quit. I'm a, I, all or nothing, but I, you know, quitting is different than, than failing. And I've certainly failed a lot, you know, and people think, well, you've done all these things, but yeah, but I've, I've certainly stepped in it too many times and I'm embarrassed sometimes of things that I've done in my past that um, I certainly would never do today. Um, but right. you've got to make mistakes and you've got to experiment. Don't be afraid to go out and try something that you're going to you know, suck at um, and always be willing to be a perpetual student. Um, yeah. And uh, even where I'm at today, I still go train and do seminars and have mentors um, that in different aspects of, of my life, I, I've got people I can go to and seek advice and seek counsel. Um, And so I think that's just go out and learn something. If you want to figure out your artsy side, go take a pottery class or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's all kinds of adult education classes out there for for anything and my gosh, with the internet now you can learn anything from anywhere and just start delving into different things. And if you don't like it, like three days of Taekwondo can um, and, and go elsewhere and do something else, right? Oh, you know, and, and try something else. It's okay to be kind of um, to try all these different things and not master any of them.
0: It's so true. It's so true. It, so, so I've been told that obtaining. Okay, so let's just be honest. In Taekwondo, you can you can literally get a black belt in like six days. Um, I'm kidding. It's, but it's fast. Like it's you can fast. get one pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, in jujitsu, I've been told it takes a long, long time.
1: Yeah. For us, it's generally eight to 10 years. To get years, a black belt. If you're really cranking it out six years. Um, wow. especially if you start as a kid, kids takes even longer for us in our system. Wow.
0: And you're um, a grandmaster.
1: Yeah. And we, yeah. And we don't know av- we don't award, um, black belts to kids. You know, so we got two different curriculums that the kids go through. And then once they can get a junior black belt, 14, 15, um, but it's not a full black belt. They know it, everybody knows it. And so it's not until 16 that they can actually be moving towards an adult black belt. Wow. So, um, but that, you know, this, if somebody's getting something out of one of these schools that they can get a black belt in two or three years and they actually getting something out of it of value, yeah. good for them. Go for it. But my point is don't tell somebody that you're gonna learn real self-defense to be able to protect yourself in your, you know, six-month black belt program. It's just not gonna it's yeah. not gonna work because it's a mindset that you've got to have. You know, I yeah. tell folks all the time that you know, a warrior is not defined by a skill set. You know, a warrior is defined by his mindset, his willingness to engage with the enemy in the face of imminent danger. You know, when you know you're outgunned, you're outsized. Um, are you still willing to engage? And you can't get that in two years of training. Sorry, I just don't think that that's real. I've treated <laughs> the gunshot wounds. I've treated the knife wounds. I've treated the injuries from this stuff. I know that is devastating. And you've mm. got to win that psychological battle first before you win the physical battle. And you're not going to get that in a crash course. Yeah. You've I, got to gotten bloodied once in a while. You've got to have sucked, you know, and have somebody grind you into the mat day after day. Yeah, and eventually uh, I, realized, oh, I'm not drowning anymore. I'm doing okay.
0: Right, uh, I've I've seen my buddy Adam. He 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 filmed a um he filmed a, a it's funny he's hilarious, but he he filmed a a testimonial video for me from his phone, and he had a he had a black eye, <laughs> and he said, and, and you can see from he says like Ken beat the crap out of me until I finally <laughs> finally said, okay, I'll do it you know yeah. it's just funny but but so so all right i i want to talk about like what and again this is based on your opinion and and i think that that fear is way overused personally um i think that it's the number one answer to the question i'm getting ready to ask you so now i've set you up you can't use that um but what stops people, man, what, from, from financial success and real freedom and, and, and happiness in life, in your opinion, what is holding people back? What's stopping them?
1: Fear. That's, um, that's an easy one, you know, as far, you know, to throw fear out there because it's just so obvious, but I think that um, it's never just one thing, really. You know, I think it's got it's, it's usually multiple things. We've already touched on some of them. You know, yeah. not having a vision, um, not having a support network, that type of stuff. For me, and for what I know, a lot of peers that I've worked with and people that I've counseled over the years, I think sometimes it's just the oh, lack of stick to itiveness. Mm. If that's even a word. The. Yeah. Perseverance, the willingness to get bloodied and be in the trench, and to fight it out day after day, um, and so I think that perseverance comes from self-discipline and realizing that um, failure is different than than quitting. Um, you know, so just sticking it out and, and sticking to the stuff and, and battling it out. I think we just really live in a culture and a society now where everybody wants something so quickly you know, like the black belt, you know, whenever somebody calls us and says, Hey, how long does it take me to get a black belt? Well, we just know that students never going to stick around. Um, and so they're not wow. willing to, oftentimes people aren't willing to stick it out. And so they quit. And once you quit once, it's easy to quit the next time. That's easier yeah. to quit the next time. And, and after a while, I think quitting becomes a habit for people. Yeah. I tell my folks all the time, you know, quitting lasts forever. Pain's temporary. Pain is always temporary. I don't care it might be when you die pain goes away but it's temporary but once you've quit that's your legacy that's stamped in history you know and and you create
0: a pattern of suffering and i love the buddhist saying that pain in life is inevitable but suffering is a choice yeah and 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 you do you create that 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 almost like a pattern in life like and it's going to lead to suffering (laughs)
1: like Right. Yeah, Yeah. And when you realize that, you know, okay, so I'm working whatever it is, 18 hours a day or 20 hours a day. And it's for myself. That perseverance, that pain fades after a while, you know, and that boom of success kind of helps to alleviate that. Um, But uh, so I think probably it's the perseverance for a lot of people, if it's if it's it's a big thing, um, besides the all the other things that we talked about, the intangibles as far as. Not having a vision and that, but yeah. fear is always worked in there somewhere. I and mean, why do they not have the perseverance or the self discipline? But it's got to be modeled, and I think it's got to be learned. And going back to that, being a perpetual student, you learn after a while that okay, this is going to be hard. I'm going to have a longer learning curve on this maybe than than others. But surround myself with people that can shorten that learning curve for me, and let go of the ego. You know, one thing yeah. that I learned, um, especially in the martial arts realm, is if you're going to really succeed and you're going to have something that's really reproducible and have for a long time, sometimes you got to make yourself vulnerable and test it and make sure that it's really accurate and, and relevant for today.
0: Yes, I, I concur.
1: When, when somebody called
0: you said, when, when somebody calls and says, how long will it take to get a black belt? That's funny um, because that is the society we live in, man. Right. It's, microwave, forget the oven. Let's go right. right to the microwave. That's right. Um, but you know, when, when somebody calls you and, and, and look, if, if I were going to start at 54 years old, um, resume my, my martial arts pursuit, I would probably in the back of my head, I would be like, OK, ultimately, I would like my goal to be, you know, I want to be a black belt mm-hmm. or I'd like to be a grandmaster someday or whatever. Right. But so in my head, I'm gonna, uh, that's going to be a target for me. Sure. right? Yeah. Um, what what question should they be asking <laughs> if, if you're saying that, you know, you you know, they're not going to stick around if that's their only thing. What should they be focused on when they call you?
1: what do you teach? What are you going to be able to provide for me? You know, it's a commodity yeah. uh, that you're actually giving somebody. Um, and, uh, so what we do is we kind of flip it and ask, well, what's your goals? What is it you want to get out of this? Mm. Uh, because everybody trains for different reasons and sure. uh, there's always going to be a sacrifice at some point, whether it's time or money or family or whatever it is, because this isn't, it, it doesn't come cheap. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, for us, what, what we often ask people is, well, what's your objective? What's your goal? And we try to tell them, even though Black Belt is, is a goal for a lot of people, all a Black Belt does and all any rank does is just show where you're at in, in the curriculum. And Black Belt just shows that you understand the basics. And now you're, now you're ready to really begin to learn and put things together. Yeah. And so that's why we have a totally separate Black Belt class. And because Black Belts that have been training for years are always like, wow, the light bulb just went off on why am I doing this this way, um, and so we try to encourage them to be a, again a lifelong learner. And it's about your your journey. It's not about the end goal. Keep the end goal in mind, but you, there's got to be a lot of other smaller goals. And if you're just focused on getting the PhD or getting the the black belt, sometimes that's a long way off. Yeah, you know, I've, right. I've been fortunate that you know through different things I've been involved with in life, whether it be Boy Scouts or military or martial arts, there's there's the end goal, but it's kind of, there's set up to have smaller short-term goals to help you get there. And so you kind of just learn that I've got to do these other things. First, I've got to have a good foundation before I can um, excel and, and do the other things. So they should be wow. asking questions that align with what their objective is. If their objective is, self-defense, because I've had domestic violence in my life, then probably that six-week course that you are referring to, crash course, is not going to be it. You better be training somewhere that's going to give you some down and dirty techniques to survive the next beating from your spouse or whatever it might be. So you need to be asking the questions that are relevant for what your long-term goal and your objectives are. we got some people that call that, that just want to train for their next MMA bout or whatever, whatever it is. And so we try to focus on, okay, what's the objective here and how can we meet that or not meet that and not be afraid to send people elsewhere because I don't want to contaminate the pot, you know, because sometimes you just get knuckleheads that we tell people, we, we give everybody a two-week trial, by the way, and they think that it's for them, but we know that it's for us. Wow. We're, trying, we're trying them on and sometimes uh, they say, well, you know what, this is not going to be a good fit.
0: I love that, man. Yeah. I so, love that so yeah. um, so you're not so larry says you're not the cheapest that's good no, i like that
1: no um it's one of those reverse things and i try to tell other martial arts school owners the same thing is when they open a school they kind of call around find out what's the what's everybody charging they lay lowball. i did the opposite what's everybody charging okay i know that what we're producing is gonna be a higher standard and so we're x percent higher than than everybody else there needs to be a, a value to what is, is perceived value is, is a big thing.
0: Yep. I totally, I, I something else that I talk about. I, who, who wants to be in a race to the bottom? Not me. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, and if you just realize that if you lowball yourself, you're going to have to work twice as hard. You know, you're going to have to have more students in the door. And, you know, I don't care what martial arts school you're in, you have a very high attrition rate. Right. Ours is extremely low compared to the industry. But yeah. most schools have a very high um, attrition rate. And so why would you want to be having to keep on hustling all the time to get, you know, $79 in the door? You know, <laughs> but, no. you know. Uh, and who
0: wants to chase $79? Right. Like, Dude, do I have to come and put you in a headlock to get my $79? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: okay. send one of the kids from the kids class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. So, So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had. Um, and I, I wanted, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but I, I want to talk about because I know you were involved in the Olympics, and, and but have you ever before we get to that, have you ever had a real life situation where you were out in public and had to use your skills?
1: Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, but I wouldn't even say it was a real life situation. It was, it, it was I, I'd only been training for maybe five or six months. And there's just a knucklehead around town that was just pounding on our door. And, you know, when we had an apartment, I can't remember if Larry was there or not. He'd know the guy's name if I mentioned it. Um, And it was just a scuffle. It was a fight. But after a while, you know, you realize as a martial artist, the more experience you get, the more you realize I have nothing to prove here. You know, I prove it every single day on the mat. And sometimes people just make bad decisions. And you realize, you know, the guy had a bad day, you know, Boss yelled at him at work, somebody kicked his dog, you know, wife's upset, you know, yeah. and and sometimes people just make bad decisions. And now it's just people are too willing to pull a gun or a knife, and it's just not worth it sometimes. And yeah. so, in a situation, you know, I I've avoided a lot of situations that could have turned out really bad, or I've been able to talk somebody down where it could have been really bad. But I think it's de-escalation is a big factor and a big key um, in self-defense. And if you think the first line for self-defense is this then you're missing the boat it better be you able to communicate and de-escalate the situation because it can go south really really quickly
0: wow that that's um the way of the peaceful warrior i don't know if you that's have a, it. yes it. absolutely it's one of Sit my
1: right
0: yeah it's one of my <laughs> favorite books it's a great movie too with Nick yeah. Nolte and that's right so 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 you um as you can tell, I'm, I'm a huge fan of martial arts. So, so, so you, okay. So you you were involved in the Olympics. How did that even happen?
1: Actually it was a world it's world championships. Oh, okay. It, okay. Um, but jujitsu is not in the Olympics yet. And so that's why it's, it's, wow. it's um, there's lobbying to, to get that, make that happen. Um, so how'd that happen? Well, um, years ago, Uh, My students were competing in full contact kickboxing fights about and grappling um, uh, tournaments and things like that. uh, Some MMA fights. Um, But I really didn't like the um, the mindset and the bravado that came along a lot of times with uh, with MMA. And so I was trying to find a different form of uh, combat sport where uh, they could be using the entire skill set, stand up, striking, kicking, throws, grappling, submissions, all of it. And I stumbled across sport jujitsu that uses all that. It ties it all all together. Mm. And so um I made some phone calls and uh, networked with some guys to be able to start competing in um, sport jujitsu. And over time, uh, you know, we were the new guys on the block. And so, of course, you've got a target on your back and we began winning. And because we went from zero guys competing to all of a sudden now we're producing, you know, grand champions at at tournaments, then um, I was fortunate enough that my folks were selected. Some of my folks were selected to be on the US national team. And I was one of the the coaching staff uh, as well. And so we went and competed in Australia in 2017 and brought back the team gold in 2017 Um, and same thing in 2019 world championships are every two years Uh, in 2019 world championships were here in the U S in Orlando. And we took gold there as well. Um, So it's um, it's been a fun ride uh, being able to do that. And hopefully jujitsu will eventually be in the Olympics. And uh, so we can produce a feeder program through the jujitsu organizations to be able to, to do that. So,
0: <clears throat> I think this is a rhetorical question. Have you ever participated in MMA?
1: No, no. <laughs> I have, I'm too old. I'm 60. Are you uh, 60? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, MMA wasn't around at that point. Now, in the academy, you know, yeah, you're doing the same thing. But what we yeah. do, it's it's the same thing. We don't use... Um, we don't have to mix anything because it's all in our system and all in our style. So, um, but what I like about sport jujitsu more than MMA is that you're wearing a uniform, you're wearing a gi top. You know, most yeah. of us don't walk around the mean streets of Ohio, wherever you're at, <laughs> in spandex shorts, right? <laughs> you know, um, and so I well, do, but we want to. Do it. <laughs> okay. I'm not that confident anymore to do that in my, <laughs> you know, physique. Um, six packs oh, gone. Yeah. yeah, right. But um, with sport jujitsu, it's more technical because you've got, you know, a gi top to be doing chokes. Um, it's faster paced um, because on the ground you've only got 30 seconds um, uh, to Jeez. get a submission, or they stand you back up and you go right back at it again. What? You go down, you know, and you got 30 seconds to get the submission. So it's faster paced. It's more real life. Uh, because our focus is reality-based self-defense and personal protection. Sport is secondary to what we do. Um, and so I just think that sport jiu-jitsu is more um, in line with the values of what it is that that we teach. Um, wow. So so MMA was not around uh, at the time that I was competing, but I've competed in sport jiu-jitsu. And uh, so,
0: Yeah. Well- What's that one, uh, the real cocky Irish guy? Um...
1: <laughs> Conor McGregor?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could you take him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he like, could. <laughs> uh, what Would you say? <laughs> I'm <reverse out> 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I think he no, could. He's, he's, a, he's a
0: phenom. he's yeah he's interesting um he's trip. you said that about the bravado and he's the very first person that i mean wow
1: yeah that's why i had said that um we tell folks that we train martial artists first who happen to be great fighters you know so we don't if people think they're gonna come through the doors to learn to fight they're in the wrong place right yes you can but there's all these other things that you better be able to do first because you know in And the jujitsu related arts where you're um, actually making contact. Yeah. You can be humbled really, really quickly, you know, as in life, you know, the thing with jujitsu and grappling related arts, you turn your back, you make a mistake. Someone's going to choke you out in life. You turn your back on the problems. It's going to cut you off the knees or choke you out. And um, so you lose your false sense of, um, I don't know, just your false sense of confidence really quickly. If, um, if somebody's had not punched you in the face before, <laughs> so uh,
0: it's Mike, that famous Mike Tyson quote: Every, "Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face." Right. <laughs> you know, and then it's yeah, like,
1: it's it so true. Wow, yeah,
0: that is an awakening.
1: I, it really is. And, well, and again, yeah. we get people to call and say, "Well, I want to fight in the UFC." Okay. Have you ever wrestled? No. You ever boxed? No. You've been punched in the face? No. You ever been in a fight? No. Well, maybe you ought to come to a couple classes first. Yeah. And actually learn something before you start training for competition. Just a thought. <laughs> that is true. So, you know so my nose isn't really perfectly straight. Well, you know, been there, done that.
0: Right. Right. That's so funny, man. So, so okay. How does first I, I I like I love your energy. I I I love everything about you, man. I I, I um I'm so grateful that Jeffrey Wolf made the introduction and, yeah, thank you, Jeff. and and yeah, Jeff's he's such a good dude. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. How does everybody follow you? I do have your website <laughs> queued up here. That's probably
1: um, the easiest way. AKTCombatives.com. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, then there's social links and that type of stuff. What
0: does AKT stand for?
1: Well, it used to be an intentional pun um, or actually, it actually stood for American karate tactics, um, but it also is an intentional pun for act, do something action before reaction. Um, you know, if you're waiting to react to something, you're already behind the power curve. Uh, so it was kind of an intentional pun uh, at first, but. Everybody just knows it as AKT Combatives Jiu-Jitsu at this point. You know,
0: I I often tell this story that, that my wife and I when we first met, we decided to open an office and yeah. I I was doing website development and she was in marketing and we thought, well this is perfect. And and what we found out quickly was everybody else was getting paid except for us and 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 this in there. Um, this, this big old dude that worked for me walks in my office. I'm on the phone. He's like, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV in the parking lot. And I'm like, go kick his ass or something. What is it like <laughs> I'm, I'm on the phone, like tell him to get out of here. And, and he's like, he's got it blocked with his tow truck. And I'm like, tow
1: truck. Uh, yeah, you don't want to fight that.
0: I'm like, oh no. And, and so I remember in that moment feeling like, what's the point? Of being here why like this is insane um and and watching my car get repossessed in front of a bunch of employees That's sucked crazy. really bad yeah. if somebody called you today and said man i've done everything i've tried everything i can't get my business to uh, uh, you know what uh, things i'm at the end of my rope what would you say to them to get them to hang on because you and i know it changes if you just stay in the fight right It it can change for you. But what do you say to somebody that feels like they've given it everything?
1: Look at all the lives that you're going to continue to impact. Um, Hey, where are you at? So we can meet face to face, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: so sometimes it's just a matter of putting your arm around somebody and feeling that human connection and knowing that somebody understands and has been there, you know, um, you know, Hey, we're talking almost face to face right now, but it's not the same thing as if I put my hand on your shoulder and feel that, um, that human connection. Um, but I, I think it's just encouraging them. And we, even though somebody's failing um, and their car's getting towed away, doesn't mean that you haven't had other successes. This is just one, you know, just snapshot in time. Yeah. You know, our life is a big long movie, and that one snapshot does not define who you are. And don't let that define you. Learn from it, but don't let it define you. Shoot, if I was defined by all my mistakes and that type of stuff I'd be one massive wart, you know. Um but uh you've got to reveal <laughs> right. those and cut those things out sometimes, yeah. but um wow. yeah, so I think it's just a matter of reminding them that they've had an impact somehow no matter what you've done. If you're if you're the type of person that's doing that's in business and you're an entrepreneur and they're stuck, yeah. There must be some attribute that's gotten them to that p- point to begin with because as you know, entrepreneurs are a different breed than than other people. You know, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> I think so anyway. I think that we're, you know, you've got to have this adventurous spirit. You've got to be willing to take risks yep. and not be dependent upon somebody else to make the way for you. You know, I, I, I if, think... if that happened to me and somebody said, well, now you have to go back and see, start seeing patients. Oh, shit. I better start go t- teaching some more classes. Right. I better start getting off my butt and quit whining about it and go do something about it. So,
0: I have had those moments in my entrepreneurial journey where people are like, "Why? You know what? You're starving right now. Go get a job."
1: <gasps>
0: yeah, and it just made like put <laughs> be, me in a chokehold because it, right. it, it's I like I I give. <laughs> I know,
1: I <laughs> I'm, know. Going, it's, I'm going to see the next whatever it is, work the next deal, whatever it is for you. But knowing that going back is not an option. Yeah, and that's why I said for me, I knew. But I had to burn my bridges. Yeah. I knew that there was just so mentally I had to set myself in that place that, that this is it, it's all or nothing.
0: I, I think that's something else that's very, very valuable lesson is is you know, you hear it, you hear the the burn the ships analogy and the story about the I don't even know what he was, general or whatever that said burn the boats, and yeah. um, but you know there is something, there is something about that. If, if you, you know, a, a friend of mine one time, I, I got involved in a network marketing business for a short time and, and, and I was all about that. And meantime, my real business was plummeting and he's like, dude, you can't have a mistress. What right. are you doing?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I'm like, what? And he's like, you can't, you have a mistress. Like you can't have a mistress and expect your company, your finances, your business to, 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 you know, flourish. It's just not yeah. real, you know? So burn the ships, burn the, I, I truly, I'm, I'm a huge subscriber of that. I, well, I but, think
1: for, for people in our circles, that's, that's kind of common, but unfortunately conventional thinking, it's yeah. taught in nope. schools and it's not what's taught elsewhere, you know, it's have that safety net, go back and, you know, so you can be doing both. I tried doing both and it didn't work.
0: It's hard, man. It was going to be
1: my own demise. Had I continued trying to do both.
0: I always think, you know, I, I can, I can always go back if I have to. I I mean, if this doesn't work out, I, I, you know, I'll make something else work.
1: Yeah. I'll do something, but it's not going to be for somebody else. Yeah.
0: Right. Wow. So are you, are you available for hire for speaking and, and, and yeah, all yeah I stuff. do uh,
1: different leadership type stuff. We A lot of times we tie it in with the martial arts uh, analogy type thing we do as far as breaking through walls and breaking boards and things like that. We tie, we tie in, I've uh, got three gigs lined up for the next six weeks, I think for martial arts anatomy. These are all for martial arts schools. Um, but. Uh yeah, I've done keynote stuff as well. So it's I can juggle. <laughs> I'm
0: sure you can. I'm sure you can. Barry, thank you so much for coming on today and thank and, you, Ken for the invitation. I appreciate it. Sharing your wisdom is it's it's so it's so deep. So everybody go to combatives.com. My wife actually put it in the comments as well, so it's clickable. Thank you, and and um man, you're amazing. So thank you. And and thank you to everybody who watched. And if you shared this out, um, you can get a free black belt, um, um <laughs> Down in, the taekwondo, street. in Taekwondo. <laughs>
1: I'm kidding. All my Taekwondo <laughs> friends are going to eat my lunch now. <laughs> I know.
0: They're going to come and kick my ass. I'm in trouble, man. I, I'm <laughs> i'm just playing anyway so no thank you so much i appreciate you you guys have an awesome day i'm going to end the live stream but barry if you would stay with me and we will see you all later thanks so much
1: see you folks